and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Ben Nabolzi, process data scientist at Dentsu, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist helping companies use next-generation digital solutions to win in the market. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode, we are going to explore elevating human potential with innovative automation. Dentsu is one of the largest global advertising firms in the world with 60,000-plus professionals spread across more than 145 countries. Often it's a cliche, but in this case, I can promise you it's true. The agency thrives on innovation and an entrepreneurial spirit, and that extends to its automation center of excellence where Ben works. As the process data scientist, he's had a front row seat and provides incredible perspective on the positive opportunities and changes in the workforce as a result of innovative automation, and he really understands why developing an AI and automation strategy is essential to the success of every modern enterprise. So welcome to the program, Ben. Thanks again for joining us on Hello Human. Now, you've got a pretty cool title, and I'm a bit jealous. Process data scientist, combining two of the hot trends in business and IT today. I did an admittedly non-scientific search of LinkedIn and uncovered just a handful of people with the same title. I'm sure we'll see many more in the coming years, but what's the day in the life look like for a process data scientist? Give us some background on your role. How'd you get into it? What do you enjoy about the role? What do you wish you could spend more time doing? Hey, John, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to talk with you today. So my name is Ben again, and uh, I've joined Denso more, more than five years ago now. I'm not big on titles, but the, the, the nice thing about Denso is we have specialization. And whenever someone likes to be really into a specific role, we, they work with um, to get that role to serve the business. And that's been the start of how we, from data structure uh, background that I had to, to being more into the process data science and, and, and getting into the process. Uh, my daily journey starts with looking at the recent mining that's from the night before or that we have and see if I need to refine the mine or need to move into documentation process. So it depends where are we in the stage of the cycle. If we need to refine the process, it's looking at the database and just looking at the signals we have to refine it and, and to mine more. So it's always been into that loop, like mine, finding the process, like it's like a hunting for the good process, high quality process, so we can document and share with the business and get the feedback. There's a lot of admin things too, but like there's more into the process and I'm getting into that level. Um, what I really would like to spend more time was researching. That's one of the things I really enjoy doing, researching and uh, every day you hear there's a new technology of model, like machine learning model there. And how can we use the data that we have to see how it's react with it? Or how can we relook at the data we already have in different lenses? I think that's one of the exciting things about having such a broad data set. That's helpful. And I, I think that's really cool. You sort of blend the art and the science together in, in that role. You know, it's not, it's not a purely, you know, structured, you know, you think of science, data science as being so structured and you've got this pipeline that you follow, but you really, you're able to bring in that sort of flexibility and that, that art to the process as well. You know, as, as I mentioned in the opening, the, the real trigger for this conversation 
was that recent article in Business Chief Magazine and really did a great job of highlighting Dentsu's Automation Center of Excellence, you know, where you are. And, you know, I think that the stat that really jumped out at me was, you know, your team was able to map and model and document, I think it was 2,200 processes in less than five months. And the amazing thing is with just two people using the Fortress IQ platform, you know, really incredible output, you know, and I'm sure it's been a a journey to get there. But, you know, simple, simple question, no real easy answer. You know, how'd you guys do it? It's hard to give one answer, but it's it's definitely a combination of deep engagement that we we've been going through. Whether it was with the Fortress IQ technology and the team from different discipline, to the business side of, of Densu, whether it was the executive boards, how close we work with, and and the leadership of the agencies, because we run it for multiple agencies, and then having our own techniques to from our understanding of our applications and the users um, workflow having techniques to target these processes all of the, these uh, elements helped us to target these processes like never before so you know uh, kind of exploring today's environment a bit you know we've heard many companies you know really you know experience this accelerated transformation during the early stages of the pandemic i think at one point i saw you know, Microsoft reported that they had, you know, two years of, of digital transformation in two months, for instance. You know, obviously, Dentsu's transformation was was well underway prior to 2020. But, you know, how has this new normal, you know, impacted the transformation programs? You know, I would assume there's some, you know, extra interest from, from Dentsu leadership these days. You know, can you provide any any stories from the front lines? Yes. So we were lucky in a couple of sense that we were ready for, we were not planning because no one knew about the work from home change that's going to happen all at once, but we were running this program from 2019. So we were already familiar with with the systems, the tools, the, we have our own process going. And, and then when work from home happened in March, we definitely seen a shift in how, how people interact or how, how people are, are using their applications. And then we start to do, okay, let's do some like uh, work from home analysis. How did it really impact us as a business? Whether it was through the specialized or the productivity apps. So that was one of the things we did because we already had an observation going where we were having a team, we're looking into a team and they had to go work from home and we all did. So that was very insightful to see how the behavioral changed. And also it, it helps with this program specifically because there's no sometimes you send a link without context for your for your uh, colleague when you have a conversation in the desk that has been taken away from working from home so they have to really put the context back like typing it in and talk talking to others so that's helped us understand more the context than before when they do certain things and and um, that seeing it from our side from the from the system and the, what we capture so these was one of the interesting things we, we faced. And I'm, we're looking forward once we go back to the offices, hopefully in the next year or so, how the change in behavior will happen. What what change, how did it impact on a short or long term uh, the application usage or how people behave? So I'm, I'm curious, just curious on that note, have you guys set a, you know, return to office, any timelines in place yet? You mentioned sort of next year. Have they said anything specific yet at Dentsu or is that still to be determined at this point it's to be determined i don't think anyone knows at this point and we can't like but we always hope for and go back to the norm at some point and we're hopeful for next year but there's no nothing specific because no one knows mm -hmm. so 
traditionally, you know, process optimization, automation, you know, is seen as, as fitting more traditional industries, you know, with very structured data and procedures. Obviously, media and advertising, you know, by its nature is much more agile and creative. You know, and, and I think oftentimes many people are surprised to hear an agency is, you know, a real leader in this field. You know, what do you attribute the key success factors to, to Dentsu's transformation success? There are multiple, multiple things. And I will go back to the main points that I mentioned about the business engagements and the technology. Like I will start with the technology because that's here we have, if you look at the industry of process mining, you have uh, solutions that are trying to capture information from an, as, as one system like Salesforce or other systems that are unified. Our industry is not unified in one solution. That's one of the uniqueness of Denso working with different clients. We, ha- we have to use different systems to support our clients and their uniqueness. Now with, with this solution of Portis IQ, we were able to tap into the user logs, not just the system logs, which is a different way of, of looking at that. It's not collected. When you look at the system logs, it's usually logs and diagnostics of, of the user experience there. But now we're looking at how the behavior of the user with the application on their uniqueness. So that was one of the success factors. The technology is unique. And we have the business engagement that we have, what I mentioned before, we have the SOPs always in place for, we know that it's there, but not everyone will probably use them or follow them specifically. But for, for the first time, we are able to see the process of what it is, not how it should be. And that's like a realistic take off the actual process. All of these help when we transform or try to transform the conversation are more real, are more based on numbers, based on common behavior of, of practice, not just how the system menu or the manual is. So uh, these kind of engagement with the business, I will, I'll talk more about it. It's, it's very unique because of the support and um, investing in the future kind of situation where you try to establish this database to serve current needs, but we always come back and remind and relook at the data in different ways, depending on the team or depending on the problem you're trying to solve. And kind of along those lines, obviously the Fortress IQ platform, you know, we can move it around to different systems and different applications, and there's not real integration we need to do on the back end because it's, it's essentially recording the, the activity that's on the screen. Do you guys find that helpful in your use of the platform? I mean, are you looking often at multiple systems, you know, across different users, or are you kind of limited in terms of, of which applications you guys observe? There's no limit. That's the thing. We're, we're seeing the actual interactions. Like we have, every time we do a cycle, we discover a new application that we never knew that it's being used. It's just like it happens and it's realistic. That's the, the teams has to use these solutions to support their work. And we get that high level of events that users are using it. And we get curious to understand why is it unique? What's different from the main one we have? Do we need to like uh, develop support the current system to make it take over these small functions? Like it's kind of good feedback for what are we used to and what reality is. It makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. Hey, let's turn to the human element a little bit. And there are a couple of questions that came in on this topic as well, so we can sort of bounce off those as well. You know, whenever there's talk about process discovery, you know, one of the first questions that get asked is about you know privacy and security. And, you know, it's it's fairly obvious and, and easy to understand and comprehend why, you know, when you have the, the traditional manual approach of, of workshops and, and time motion studies, you know, if somebody's interviewing you or, or, or watching over your shoulder, the participant decides, you know, what to share. You know, with our more, 
you know, modern technology-based solutions out there, you know, the trust issue becomes, you know, much more critical. You know, how do you build and, and maintain trust, you know, with your stakeholders that you're observing? It's it's a good question. It's one of the trickiest thing in, in this kind of culture change because everyone's like, oh, you're looking at my monitor. Are you looking at my screen? You're seeing what I'm doing. But it all starts with explaining the technology. And it could be as simple as what simplest, simplified as much as possible, but always be ready if someone challenge you with this, how you're dealing with this situation. So having this very honest conversation we do, and that's in every group we start with. We have a kickoff and, and that's something in this case, I'll, I'll work with Michael Stockland and basically talk to the team and just any questions they have, they can ask us on the spot or they can IM me separately. And we, we have, we answer these questions and concerns. And at any time they feel like uncomfortable, they can say, can we be off? Uh, and, and we are all, always open. They participate into this program. We, we don't force on anyone. Other things we also do is take extra steps. Like how can we assure that? And the way we look at it in different ways is we don't want a lot of noise. We were looking, we're really into the process. We're really into the applications that the company invested in to boost this functions. So we took extra steps to remove any events that are not relevant. Like we don't, we don't want to see anything private. We don't want to see, and we, even though it's a company machine and we all use it for different ways because that's what we have, but we took that steps where we can, the user can submit anonymously a URL so we stop, like we avoid it, or we can target specific applications. And there's a lot of way we can implement this program to be with that compliance. So these extra steps, along with managing the deployment itself, I think that's one of the key things we took on is we don't go through IT to implement the software on scale. We have more than 50 users. We implement it ourselves. So we make sure that everyone is onboarded, everyone is offboarded. If anyone having any issues, they can directly reach out. There's no wait for the ticket from the IT to come back. We, we took that ownership and it helps them to feel confident when we send an email, okay, you're off, we're done. So they feel like, okay, it's really done. And that's the build of trust because the same users you might come back to in a couple of months because they participate in different application or new application. All of this helps, we believe. And, and we've been more than 200 people, we've, uh, they've participated in this program. So it's been more, more accepted than before or like more less concerned because they know our purpose is really the business, not trying to get anyone in trouble. Yeah, that, that insight's great. Actually came up in some conversations I had yesterday with some customers and, and the idea that, you know, this change management culture issue is so critical. But ultimately, at the end of the day, every organization's got to deal with it. It sort of depends on the culture of the organization. But, you know, I think once it's explained to people and that change management program put into place, you know, we, we have, you know, very good history with working with organizations and making sure that, that the, the stakeholders are, you know, comfortable with the technology and the approach. Along those same lines, there was a question that came in about certifications and credentials, and Ben, I'll give you a chance to take a break here and, and answer this one, just why it's in there, about what, what credentials do we have in place, you know, given this type of observation that's going on. A couple of different ways that we handle security at different levels. We have allow and deny list of applications. We also have a gateway, a masking appliance that is a, a privacy-enhanced gateway that we call PEG. Uh, that allows us to mask any sensitive information that's on the screen, you know, on top of those two layers. We also have a number of certifications and, and regulations and guidelines that we follow, HIPAA, GDPR, SOC 2, ISO 20001, always working on other ones as well. So suffice it to say, we take security and privacy uh, very seriously and 
to date, you know, always comes up in conversations, but never has has presented a, a major hurdle for for programs to move forward. Ben, we also got a couple questions on this too, so so interested to hear your take on it. You know, the people element, you know, often gets forgotten in terms of project success and. You know, the consultant in me always, you know, looks at the golden triangle of, of people, process, and technology. In your role, I imagine that you need to, you know, work both top down and bottoms up. You know, can you provide any guidance on collaborating with management and leadership, you know, as well as the subject matter experts and process leads, you know, in the business units to meet objectives and, and you know, achieve those targeted goals that you've got? Yeah, so that's one of the fortunate things and luckily we have the coe of automation it's really unique and that's becoming more of a trend in industry but we have very unique team that we like in, in MIT, for example we have the vp of automation max like max and we have uh Shufferstock, i'm sorry and and we have like brian Koshoff, and we all work together and directly connect with the executive board to understand what they're what the strategy what they're trying to do and how can we help in and whether it was automation or process mining. So having these data conversation with the CEO, like Lucas Cridfield, Cridland, Sean Power, or other executive leadership, and, and having deep engagement with the business lead, like our executive vice presidents, like Michael Stokel and, and Robert Hannon, having these sponsors and supporters where they Understand they understand what we try, what we currently doing, but they see the vision of what where we can go or year over year. That has been very helpful to support this program and, and future applications. And we always look at what's next, how we can tackle new new challenges or review things. So the human element has been one of the most important things beside the technology and even working closely with Fortress IQ data science team or product team and getting that support of understanding in the back end how things work and how we together can get the business objectives working with the technology and getting to that goal. It's very unique, it's very engaging and uh, it's been it's been a theme so far and, and it's exciting to work with such dynamic yeah, that's great. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Max Shepardsoff, your your colleague at Dentsu, and I think it's sort of interesting to note he kind of holds that title, Chief Automation Officer. You know, really sort of that C level type title in a again, we've already talked about it. You know, sort of a more agile and creative industry. You wouldn't necessarily, you know, expect that. And I think that again shows to that, you know, seriousness that you guys uh, take with the, this area. You know, Max has also talked about, you know, sort of a, this multi year roadmap that he's created to to really weave automation into every process at Dentsu by 2025. And, you know, he's talked about making AI and automation really a part of Dentsu's DNA, which I think is is great. Also, we had a question come in that's, that's kind of related to this around, and if you could address what you see as kind of the role for business analysts in process and discovery and documentation moving forward, you know, what what efficiencies, you know, do you see them gaining using tools like the, the Fortress IQ platform and challenges as well? Yes, it goes back to the uniqueness of this technology because usually business analysts or, or the, the current way you look at the current past logs or like uh, it's just the archive of data. Now you're looking at different data sets, different discipline, and it's a ready normalized data for you to see and use the mining AI power to, to drive your queries, that's very powerful. So having such tools and to drive your analysis or your search helps you to accelerate things as a, if you're trying to analyze something. 
and help you to see it on scale. Having 200 people more than we have three terabytes of data, that is not easy easy thing if you just want to use the current or legacy applications to look into. Like it's it's a huge database. So how can you use AI models and and techniques to get to what you're looking for quick and accurate? That's a very powerful tool for any anyone interested in, in analyzing it, the data. So somebody asked us to go back to the the stat I threw out earlier from from the article that was the you know two people documented captured 2,200 processes you know in five months. And the question is, you know, I want to make sure I get it right, so I'm going to mostly hear how many people process data from the 2,200 processes in order to make it in a form of information that becomes usable in decision making. And I'll let you think about that answer for just a second, and I'll preface it by saying. The article went on to to note that to handle that amount of information and data and capture it and document it all, if you were doing it purely manually, I think the article noted that it would take at least, you estimate that it would have taken at least 30 business analysts to get that same level of detail that was captured through the system using, you know, the system and two analysts. Don't know if you want to add anything further onto that, that comment, Ben. Yes, in, the, in our experience, we, what we've done, and that's working with Michael and the team, is basically all the PDDs we've created, and PDD stands for Process Def- Definition Documents. We have more than 140 of them. We've made them available in a SharePoint location, and we've, we've been engaging with the business users, referring to these PDDs when, when we're targeting a process. And even if they, and sometimes even if they don't really realize these processes or understand them as as is, they come back at it. It's like a a point of reference becoming. So having that library of documentation there open for anyone interested to see these processes, how they are redone, how how many people have done it, the average times, that's very powerful for anyone. And, and we, we keep it open for anyone to look at it. It's not restrictive to the board or restrictive to a specific business. So that's the knowledge sharing what we're trying to do was really unique. The culture question is driving a lot of interest. We've got another question that's about, you know, has Dentsu leveraged process mining, process intelligence across other markets? If so, what have you seen and what differences have you found in Japan as it's your headquarters and their culture is very distinct? That's a good question. Actually, we our experience in the U.S. has attracted a lot of interest from different regions. We are currently talking to region APAC, like Australia and and. Uh, and UK, Ireland, they're all interested in, and we're working with them to expand this program next year. We had an observation happening for our IT users in the UK. It was a unique experience because it's we, we currently been looking at the media side of, of the, the transactions. Looking at the IT side was new experience. It's different because now we're able to see the end user, the media user, submit a ticket for IT and how the IT is doing it. And like it's it's like completing the picture. So that's what I was saying. The database they have now, the more you have different groups and observations, the picture become more clear. You can see like a loop back who's who's handling the process, how it's been taken, and it's all connected. So we're looking forward to different users. That's that's one of our mission to include more different regions. Learn from from the regions. The U.S. is good at certain things. Other regions are good in other things. How can we learn from each other? We're using the same systems. Why why is it different productivity or time? So these future plans we're looking forward to. Yeah, that's great. I think you already touched on this next question we were going to jump to. You know, as we we start wrapping up, you know, we talked at the the open about, you know, your role and activities as a, as a process data scientist. Obviously, the team's doing incredible things in the organization at, at 
significant speed and scale. You just talked a bit about sort of going to the different regions and different areas. You know, if you dust off that crystal ball, you know, where does where does the program go from here? What else would you like to tackle? Are there different use cases to to start looking at uh, different systems? Obviously, you know, Dentsu goes through you know, many acquisitions, given, you know, that's kind of the, the norm in the industry. You know, is that an area that you've, you've thought about using the technology? Yeah. So uh, I'm very ambitious about how can we change, like how we can drive change. And that's one of the things we, we always aim for. One of the things for the future, how we look at this program is one of the hardest things to get uh, machine learning and, and getting a smart application or, or like uh, more predictive applications is getting a, a good data set that you can train the models. And, and uh, that's been a challenge usually in the industry, getting a data set that is normalized and ready to feed a future applications. I think I'm looking forward to the platform itself becoming more, hopefully in the future, be more predictive or how can we use our models, custom models, from the data we've collected, from the data we normalize and, and mine for, to, to feed these smart applications that can help us either predict or look at, at things in different, total different dimension. And that's that's one of the exciting things. This year and last year has been more more really perfecting the capturing the data, understanding the workflows, and having our data marks in, in the places we want. Next year, I'm hoping we get to how can we confirm? How can we have diagnostics of the process? How we can say we can drive efficiency more and it can, if we change X, the efficiency will change. If we can take the time from doing certain things, can allow them to do more transactional, specialized things. Because our goal by the end of the day is giving more time for the specialized user to do the things they like, not the repetitive things or the things they're uh, not into. And, and working process mining and automation works together to achieve that goal help the business understand what the things that maybe they don't see and how we can drive the small tasks through automation and allow them doing the things they enjoy. So very cool. We'll have to have another conversation next year to see how the uh, the shift to more predictive use of the technologies is going. Dentsu is obviously, you know, having significant success around process intelligence. You know, give me your top three pieces of advice for companies you know, in any in any industry that want to get where Dentsu is, but are a little earlier in the journey. So the three advices from our experience, the first thing is try, try this technology of process mining. Even if you don't have expectations or you don't know what exactly your objective as clear it is, just try it, test it. The dots will be connected later on, even if you're not really sure of. So invest and try to invest in these kind of technologies because the dots will be connected. You, some applications, some users will look at the data and the, the story will make sense and, and it will drive you next. Taking the first step usually is the hardest and then having this process internally, how can we deal with, how we can work with this application, how we can engage people? Because you can just flip the switch and just be too quick. You need to engage people and buy in to, to drive the technology, drive the business, drive the transformation. So the first Advice would be trying, uh, not being hesitant or too slow on it. The second thing would be privacy is is concern, and we all we all have this liberty. Like we want, we worried about privacy, but don't make it. Uh, or just like avoid being limit of such application because we all coming use we all use equipments of of the office to drive the business to to support our work. This is we're not targeting specific areas that the business is not interested in. So our goal always been 
driving the business for efficiency and and its goals. So privacy shouldn't be the limiting for killing or, or not having this program going. I think that's one of the advices and the, tr- the tricks we've shared with. The last thing is automation and process mining are hand by hand now, and it's becoming clear to the industry. If you don't have automation theory, you, there must be a, there must be a start there because automation and process mining are hand by hand. Then you have the technology can can go along with and and learn from the, these experiences. But investing in both is really inter- really needed because if you don't know exactly what you're trying to automate, it's all become theoretical and trial and error. But if you have an actual process from the actual people who do it, then the automation would be easier. So these are the three advices from the very humble experience and small experience that I have. That's great insight and a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Ben Nabolzi, the process data scientist in Dentsu's Automation Center of Excellence. Done correctly, innovative automation drives positive opportunities and changes for the modern workforce. And developing an AI and automation strategy is essential to the near and long-term success of an enterprise. I'm going to put two resources in the show notes. First, we've got the Business Chief article on Dentsu's program that was the impetus for this session and details the work and success of Ben's team. The second one is the recent HFS research report that named Fortress IQ as a top three process intelligence platform and which is one of the key components of Dentsu's tech stack, which powers their COE. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Ben, for joining me and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.